It's Sunday night, 7 o'clock. Time for the sports phone. Sunday night, 7 o'clock, time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Jerry, that's me. I am sitting in my in my at-home office up in Oregon. Jim's hanging out in the Philo studio. Jim, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How many screens are in front of you, Jerry? You got three going? Uh, so I, I've, I've developed, you know, I haven't figured out. So here's the thing with, 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 with my workstation here, because I work for my office I have a two-monitor setup, right? I have my laptop, and then I have a secondary monitor, which is basically just an extension of my laptop. Oh. Um, I don't believe in the three-monitor system, mostly because I think you reach a point where you don't need anything on it. Like, I just don't have a use for that third monitor if I was to get it. I'm just not sure what I would put up there. Now, I will say, and I'm sure there's tech, <laughs> tech gurus and tech techie people out there that would say you can never have too many monitors. My, you can never have too many screens. My like assistant that. at the um, clinic and my assistant at the clinic in Fort Bragg, she's got three monitors going, and she's still talking to customers in front of her. I'm yelling at her in the back, and she's saying, "What do you want?" <laughs> and and she's on the phone at the same time. I still I was talking about that last yeah, night. I, last night, and I I've, I, I've pondered it. I've definitely, I've definitely pondered getting a third monitor, Jim. But I have to figure out a way to make that a, to to try to get my work to pay for it because I don't, I'm not going to pay for a third monitor. I got to figure out a way to justify it, and, and then maybe, maybe I'll get a third monitor. But it, it's not needed. Uh, but but yeah, that, that's a, it's a fair question. I'll keep you updated on the monitor situation. Um, welcome everybody to the sports phone with the preamble and rambling out of the way. Uh, if you are new to the show, very simply put. This is an open forum sports talk show. Uh, Jim and I are big fans of sports. We both competed at the uh, high school and college level, Jim at the pro level. We've also been coaches at different points in our lives. Jim has coached uh, high school basketball for a long time, going back to when I was in high school. I am currently coaching at the high school level as well. So we've always been involved in sports and been fans in different ways. Uh, we like to spend this hour once a week bringing on you, the listeners, to talk about what you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. It can be whatever level, wherever it is in the world, as long as it is sports-related. Jim and I want to bring it up and let you talk about it. We will open up the phone lines and let you talk about whatever you would like to bring up going on in the world of sports as we get rolling on the show here. Looking forward to that. But before we open up the phone lines... We are ready for a guest. This one was one that Jim kind of sought out on his own, brought to my attention, kind of told me the background. I thought it was pretty cool, and I said, let's do it. And from there, we have a guest for the week. So, Jim, why don't you go ahead and introduce uh, who we're talking to this week? We have, and this is as local as you can get Uh you. Yeah. Little little backstory. I met Cindy Novella uh, when I was working at the Boonville Clinic as a chiropractor, and 15 years ago, I can't believe it, she told me that last night, she came in as a um, as a provider there and, um, you know, backing up and working with Mark Atfell and Judy Nelson, who to me are the, what I call the, the first era at the clinic, and now Cindy has taken over as the medical director for Mark, for Mark Atfell, and uh, I think we're into a different era of the of the clinic, the era uh, era of Cindy Chloe. Um, 
So, uh, she, but that's not why she's on here from the sports phone. <laughs> so we didn't bring her on to talk about about about, about, about the clinic. Yeah. No, um, Cindy all of a sudden throws at me uh, not too long ago. It was on the phone. I think I, I want to start a cross country team in Anderson Valley High School. I was like, whoa, that's something for the sports phone. Cindy ran track in high school, Camp Olindo, sounds like a bigger high school in the East Bay in Moraga, ran track at Penn, University of Pennsylvania, in uh, or cross-country or track, I'm not sure which. To me, it's all in the same same world, a lot, of, a lot of crossover with the kids. University of Pennsylvania did a little track there, and now uh, wants to uh, run, uh, start a cross-country team in, in Boonville. You there, Cindy? I'm here. So uh, that's the summary. Go ahead, Jer. Well, Cindy, first, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, it's always always a pleasure to, to get the local sports uh, coaches because now you are going to be a coach. We get to uh, you get to officially get, get that me. get that title. So, Cindy, I just wanted to start with the, the last I heard from from Jim when he was telling me about this is. You are past the point of wanting to start a cross-country team, and it sounds like you are going to be able to at Anderson Valley. That's correct, yes? That is the plan. The plan is to to run kind of a cross-country club in the spring to feel out the interest and kind of draw kids out, and then if that's successful, go into the fall with a cross-country team. Nice, nice. So I guess as the starting point then um, – I've never been involved with a school deciding to start a sport. I think that's kind of the – I haven't been around that before. So I guess this is my first question. Interesting. From from the time you decided, hey, it might be cool to bring cross-country to Anderson Valley, what's kind of like the, the, the concise timeline of what happened after that? So I guess where do you even start with something like that? So I, I mean, this is an idea that I had when I moved up here 15 years ago. Um, and, but I wasn't quite ready to get things going. So I, earlier in the year, in the school year, started the conversation with Jim Snyder at the high school. Principal, um, principal at the high school. The principal. And he was very supportive of the idea. Um, and we just kept the conversation rolling. He reached out to the athletic director, Arthur Folds. And, um, you know, he's supportive. So I think it's been mulling over in my brain for the last, you know, 14 or 15 years that really started rolling with it this year. Anything you have to do with the fact that you got two kids that want to run? <laughs> I do. I have one who will be entering high school next year. And that's what I had when my kids were younger. I had said that, that, oh, you know, once you're entering high school, I'll consider it. Oh, parents that coach their kids. That's so bad. (laughs) I I coached every team Jerry was on from fifth grade to 12th grade. (laughs) Have you, uh, Cindy, have you started at this point? So I guess kind of what's the the timeline for you're hoping like next fall would be when this kind of cross-country club would happen? Yeah, I mean, the club hopefully will happen in the spring. And then um, that makes sense. You know, if there's interest and we can fundraise and get things rolling, I think we could throw a team together for the fall. But this is all, nice. this is such nice. early stages. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot more planning and work that needs to be done. I think yeah, you're. For sure. So. Oh, go ahead, Jim. I, sorry, I, I, I think the timing, Cindy, is just is just 
tr- tremendous. As I say, as I, I've told you a couple times, I'll say it on the air. I watch this basic process, even, even though, as, as Jarris pointed out to me, there was a, a, a one-person cross-country and track team in Mendocino when he was there, um, just because. Two kids wanted to run. They happened to be brother and sister. And over a period of time, the father was the pretend coach, and they entered meets. And the 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 girl, um, I, I think, made it to the state championship level. And no one else jumped on, or, or they weren't invited, or whatever. I don't know. And then we had uh, Vince Lee come in and say, I'm starting a cross-country team. I'm starting a track team, just like you are, Cindy. And it just took off. I think one year we had more kids running track than we did did playing soccer. I mean, it was, it was that big for a while. And I also have a theory, which I've talked to Pinoli about, is that we think individual sports in small schools are making a comeback. Do you have that gut feeling? I like that. What was that? Um, do you have that gut feeling as well that individual sports are, are making a com- comeback? Yeah, I don't know that I have a, a good feel for that with rural schools. Um, but I know that they're really valuable for kids that don't, you know, either aren't interested in the team sports or just didn't have that experience growing up. Um, yeah, it's so accessible for kids. Uh, yeah, the, the barrier of entry is is significantly lower. I think we, we talked about that a little bit um, before the show. So, Cindy, another question I had, and this is one that I've asked uh, competitive weightlifters. I've asked a very similar question to this, as a, a similar question as, as the one I'll, I'm going to ask you here. So, as a basketball player, I lifted weights to supplement playing basketball. And I also did a lot of running to supplement playing basketball. But weightlifters, for example, they that is their sport, right? They are lifting weights as what they're trying to do. Similar to our, you know, a cross-country runner, they are running. There's nothing really else that they're doing other than they're running. So I guess kind of the question I'm going for is, what's the starting point with that? How do you teach someone to run that's never run cross country before because that's the sport all, all it is is running good question <laughs> yeah that's a good question um, sorry my cats just had a scuffle in the background oh no worries, um, no worries. <laughs> yeah i mean i think just starting slow and building up endurance is key and and just building the confidence in kids that you know think they can't run or can't run more than half mile or mile um starting slow and building up the conditioning i know i mean i'm more of a have more of a track background but cross country that i did do in high school was you know there was a lot of mix and training of doing long runs the you know, the competition was three miles, but we would train a lot farther. But then we also had days when we were doing, you know, 400-meter repeats and shorter sprints. So I think there is a – you're building strength and conditioning at the same time. I think it's tremendous. Jerry, Jerry was saying, and, and I agree with him, um, until you get into the elite levels of, of, of track, I think, um, you know, th- there's a lot of track – in high school, well, Jerry was saying in, in a school his his size, big high school, two thousand kids or so, where 
the football wide receivers are coming and being sprinters, and the the uh, the runners, um, the the female women um, soccer players are uh, are long distance runners, and there's a lot of crossover between sports. And some people use track and cross country for training. I think of of another sport. Definitely, definitely. I know. Um, yeah, when I was in high school, we had a little bit of that. Where I mean, that was why I did cross country. We had um, some soccer players actually that did cross country as training, and then also did track. Um, but yeah, it's true. It's true. You have people out there who are hardcore for cross country, and then people who see it as training for other sports. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, ask her that hard question, Jay. All right, Cindy. All right, Cindy. <laughs> All right, Cindy uh, one more question. This is the last we'll question. We'll let you go because Jim and I want to. We got to keep the show rolling here, but we do have one more question. <laughs> this was not one that we prepared you for, but it's okay. I don't think it's going to be too difficult. Um, <laughs> so one thing we always we always like to ask our guests is, what is your favorite sports memory that of all comes time. to mind? And 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 this can be something. Just to be clear, it doesn't have to be from you as a runner. It can be as a fan, a parent, a coach, a participant. Do you just have a favorite sports memory that stands out for some reason? Oh gosh, <laughs> that is such that is such a good one. Um, oh, so many. Um, I mean, I. I feel like I can't think of anything specific, but I, I will say, like, thinking back to track that my my favorite memories are ones with my relay. Huh. Um, you know, it's such an individual sport, but then the times when you're on a relay and everything goes, you're passing the baton between four people and everything goes smoothly, you know, you run a whole lot faster as part of a relay than you would individually. Um I think those are the memories that stand out more than anything else. I, I, I've got a prediction, and then we're letting you go, Cindy. I think that if we talk to you a year from now, you're going to say your biggest sports memory is starting the AV cross-country team. <laughs> I hope. I hope that's it. We've got calls coming in. I'm going to uh, say thank you. And All right. Thanks yeah, so thank much you so for much, having Cindy. me. See you. Yeah. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Oh, what a great interview, you guys! <laughs> that, that just everything she was saying about her experiences in track and cross country. It, it, I mean, mirrored my own. I was, I was just having moments of nostalgia right there. That was, <laughs> that was really good, Jim and Jerry. Thank you so much. So, so just, just to be clear. Um, um, if Cindy's still living, that's a guy I was talking about in Mendo, Cindy, that did what you're doing, started a track and a cross-country team. This is Vince. Yeah, yeah, just just so good. And I have to, you know, just start with my own experience. I, you know, thought of myself as a baseball player um, in high school, and I I ran cross-country to begin conditioning, uh, not, not because I loved running, but because I wanted to get better conditioning, and realized through running that I that was that's what I was really good at, and that mm. was my my sport to get into, and that led me into track. Um, and, and Jim, to clarify, cross country and track completely different because of terrain, right? You, oh, you're no, thinking all, if you're running, running if you're running a fifteen hundred on a track, 
you've got you've got to map out 12 laps on the same exact circuit. Whereas if I'm running three miles in the woods or partially woods, partially pavement, whatever, it's a totally different kind of strategy of pacing. Um, so there's there's the biggest difference. So um, so to the from the distance, it's all running. From when you get up close, in a relative sense, when you start breaking down cross country and track, it's a different kind of running. That's what you're saying. Exactly, and it's a different kind of mentality in a way. Like there's something, you know, cross country. Most of the time, you're you're away from everybody. You're away from spectators. You're only around other runners. You're on a track. Every other athlete is in that arena. And you're running around them, you know. So there's so hmm. much more energy, people cheering you on, other events going on. Huh. It's it's also got that kind of a different feel. Track and field is definitely much more high energy uh, than cross country outside of the beginning and the end of cross country, really. Yeah. Uh, so so that, that challenges you in your own way to keep yourself going when you're in the middle of mile two coming out of the force, you know, like it's really, a, a, you know, you talk about individual sport, you're really pushing yourself the most you can in a cross-country race, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and, and one more really quick thing, you know, I started cross-country and track in Mendo, and the majority of that started with kids like Nick Kneber wanting to just condition. And, and really it started with, let's go for some runs, and then all of a sudden, Justin Garcia was running, and Van Laura was running, huh. and then Aaron Thomas jumped in, Annabelle Carpenter. It was like all of a sudden kids were running. We had a group of like nine or ten kids, Scott Duncan, you know, really? running with me. And then it was like, hey, guys, we could have a cross-country team. And they were like, okay, cool. You know, it just kind of – the beauty of, of, of here, and I hope Cindy realizes this too, is let it happen organically. And I love how she's going with the club first, starting early. Let's see what kind of momentum we get. And go from there because, you know, you said it, Jerry, Jim, small community. It's hard. I mean, honestly, track, Jim, basically helped kill baseball in Mendo. In Mendo, of course. It was one of the things. Yeah. 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 So, so kind, of a, kind of a hard thing to do, but at the same time, if you have interest and you have kids passionate, one of my favorite things today is I still get kids um, who randomly will Facebook me and say, I still run and I appreciate you getting me into it. And that is, that is wonderful. A good, good I, I want to yeah. be I want to be on the Cindy committee that comes down and meets her and 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 maps out a track, maps out a, what is it called a, a course? A course. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I made a course in Mendo Village for the pumpkin run. Oh, that's right. You know, that's right. I mean, I, that, that's one of the more fun things to do when you get a few kids out and you're like, hey, let's map out a course, and you know, how do you want your home course to look? What can we take advantage of? You know, it, it, it's yeah. That, that's I am excited. I love to hear stuff like that because those are sports that people don't think about. And really, whether you're competitive or not, running is just good for you. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It's, it's a exactly. good thing. Seven zero seven seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Jared, did you predict for twenty one minutes we'd be talking about cross country tonight? I, I didn't, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know, we've had plenty. This is that in the grand scheme of obscure sports that have come up on this show. This is very, this is very not not obscene, like obscure. This is this is right where I would expect it to be. I, I'm not surprised by this at all, uh, Vince. Other than cross country, did you have something for us this week? You always have good stuff. 
And we got another call, so make it quick, Vince, and, and then we'll, no, yeah, we'll get yeah, back I, to you. I, I do, but I'll get back to you guys. Had to chime in after that interview. I'm going to listen in. I'll call back. Thanks, Vince. Okay. You guys make good. You're on the air with the sports phone. Hey, what a great show. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, on the topic of memorable sports moments, yeah. mine is very, very broad brush. I think uh, there's many down below this, but, of course, I think on the very top would be the Olympics where you know, people from all over the world got together in, in a most peaceful uh, moment, and the, the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies is uh, just always brings joy to me to see how the world can come together. A little blend of politics and sports here, and uh, uh, there's certainly other moments, you know, more local than that. But it's just uh, what an amazing, amazing event. So, so if I, so, if I'm get, getting you right, Jerry, I missed the beginning of that a little bit. You, your your favorite sports memory is just the whole concept of the Olympics. Exactly. Wow, that's a good one, huh? It's uh, it's getting a little political this year. I've I've been told. Well, uh, yeah, but in, in such a mild way, it's these uh, mostly young people getting together, you know, marching in a circle around a crowd from different countries, and and it's so it's 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 so amazing. It's all based on sports, and sports brought this to the world. It's, there's something to be learned there. Hmm. The Olympics. Thanks for the call. Yeah. That was great. All right, good night. Thank you. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Well, let's throw it out there, Jerry. We got one without even knowing it. What's your favorite sports memory of all time? I I feel like mine. I don't know if it, no. I'm not going to say mine has changed, but there's definitely <laughs> like a new contender in in the in that for me. Let me get. Can um, I can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Going two and zero last week for your first week of league play coaching your first high school team? No, I, it's not oh, well. that specific to, to <laughs> going 2-0 and and getting on a win streak. It's more just the, I, the experience of coaching a basketball game and being an actual coach. Because I've uh, coached summer league with you. I've coached camp teams. I've done the, all this stuff. But to kind of like because we talked about it you know when I was going through getting getting uh, certified to be a coach and then we talked about the tryouts and dealing with having to cut people and all those things I think kind of like the culmination of all that to that first game I think was a really crazy sports memory for me that I'll remember and, and it's funny I think the thing that looking back on on that game and some of the other games that's been the most interesting thing to think about is just that that realization that and Jim you talked about this a lot and uh, my college coach talked about this a lot. Coaches do most of their work in practice. There's oh, not gosh, a whole yes. lot you yeah. can do to influence the end of a game. Like you can, you can call a timeout or make a sub or something, but in the end, you don't have as much control over the end of a game as a coach as I really wish I would. Like, I want to just get out there and, and play at the end of a game, but you have to find a different way. To, to channel that kind of energy at the end of uh, when when you're coaching, but you know that's like I, I would say that's my new contender for one of my favorite sports memories. Just just there, that experience of, of being a coach. There's a lot. Player. There's a lot of young coaches, Jared. That um that didn't grow up with their dad being their coach, so they may have not been surprised. They may have been surprised like like someone else that jumps into coaching at your age 
of everything that goes with it, but you watched me have to do all the, the, the back, back work that goes with it, so I think you were a little more yeah. prepared for it. Hello, Cole, you're on the air. Uh, I had to jump back in just listening to Jerry right there and, uh, and, and, and say, Jerry, the first few games of coaching uh, JV at Mendo was uh, the same thing. I felt like, man, just you know, hold on a minute. I'm gonna call timeout. And I'm gonna sub myself in, and uh, <laughs> hey, number number eight, give me your jersey. Like, but I mean, so I, I want to ask you though, Jim Barry, are you um, are you a Vincent Lee style coach who can't sit down and, and and is not yelling in a nasty way, but yelling because he can't help himself to stop talking, or are you Jim? who's sitting down watching Vincent run around like a madman. Uh, what kind of a coach style do you got there? So, so it's, it's, it's really funny. Um, I'm definitely on the Vince end of that spectrum. Uh, there's, I have a joke with one of my players uh, about how long I'll be sitting before I end up standing for the rest of the game, and I don't think I've ever made it past tip-off. I think once the ball has been tipped up, I'm immediately standing. But the funny part about that is – uh, one of the other coaches that I work with, who's kind of uh, kind of really done a really a great job getting me comfortable with the program and and kind of teaching me how the program as a whole operates, he is the gym when to that scenario where he is just he's sitting there he he's talking to players and they come out and giving advice and stuff, but then when he coaches because he he coaches his own teams at certain points. Um, then he turns into to Vince. He turns into you. So I will say, in my experience with, with the coaches I've been around, the ones I've seen and the ones that I work with at West Lynn, uh, Jim is an outlier in terms of someone that can sit at, on the bench. And, Jim, I'm not saying you're not involved, but be as, as not loud as you are. I do the, believe I do believe in the way you coach games. Vince Vince <laughs> summed it up a little bit. I, I do believe that most of the work is done in practice. And yeah. and um, yeah. my theory with not is the um, what we used to call the Freddie Veras barking dog concept. If you're yeah. barking all the time you all the all of a sudden the players don't hear it anymore because you're barking all the time. It's just the barking dog yeah. in the background. So yeah. I liked when I called someone's name and I needed to make contact with someone. I felt my style was good for that reason. They they they, they yeah. weren't used to someone. I don't know. I I don't think no. there's any. There is no. It's it's the attitude and your respect for your players. It, it it's not if you speak loudly or not. I mean, come no, on. I, and that's where that's where you and I and me and Carl had great relationships coaching wise with the kids was like we both got to do our thing and it never became too much you know and and, and sure. a good good funny moment Jerry too is that I used to tell Carl in some games I'd be like okay Carl I'm going to sit down this whole game and and coach from the seat because I don't think I have to be animated and I wouldn't get three minutes into the first quarter. Without being up on my feet, moving around, like I don't care if it was Geyserville or Potter Valley or whatever, it was like I, I, I can't do it. I can't sit down. <laughs> I'm already up and moving around. And, uh, yeah. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. What What were your coaches like? Uh, I'm asking that to the uh, to the world right now. Yeah. Uh, my my coaches in basketball were were football coaches coaching basketball in basketball season, and it felt like I was in football practice. Uh, for for basketball, baseball, 
when you have a school of 3,000 kids and you have 100 kids trying out for sports and you make the team, you, you, you better hold on to your position. It's not going to be easy. Uh, mm. My coaches were never, outside of my cross-country and track coach, my coaches were hard and almost like drill sergeant style uh, coaches, which really did not make the experience that fun. Uh, in practice, games were actually more fun than practice. It's so, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. A, that's what I like. I like the constant getting together with the players and you know just work, yeah. working on the team. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Um, so really, really quick, I wanted to no. throw in one more uh, uh, thing of dislike or, or uh, not dislike, but just something that makes me not enjoy sports or whatever. We were talking about a couple weeks ago, but uh, we talked about this before. But all star games. We have a few coming up, and mm. I just think they're the most yeah. ridiculous thing yeah. ever. The concept? What do you think, Jerry? The concept is okay. What we've done with them is terrible. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. I, I would be all in favor, and, and I think we've talked about this in some form, maybe not on the show, uh, but we've talked about it before. I would be all in favor of getting rid of All-Star Games and amplifying the All-Star Weekend events. Like coming up with coming up with more of those for baseball, for football and basketball and hockey and all. I like just get rid of the All Star Game entirely and come up with more of the kind of the challenge things because that's the best part of All Star Weekend in in basketball. And I don't know what if it's and I I would I would believe it's the same in hockey, baseball. I'd rather watch the home run derby and the celebrity softball game than any of the other stuff. So I I think that if if in general if the All Star Game is not going to be competitive. Let's get rid of it and, and 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 add more events. Now, to be fair, and and Vince and Jim, you guys have both seen this. The NBA's All Star Game has gotten a little bit more interesting since they changed the scoring format and they added the charity element to it. I think it's been right. more competitive, but I still think there's room to go if you want to make it a more competitive, you, fun to watch. Do you, do you think? Do you think, Jer, that that? Because of your concept here, I'm not saying you started it. Don't take me wrong, but mm-hmm. because of that, that's why skills challenges. I mean, there was no skills challenges when I was a kid. They, they, they've all since been your have developed since you've been alive, and for the last thirty years, they've been developing these skills contests. Basketball, I think, did it first, and hockey did it, and baseball's doing it. Do mm-hmm. you think it, that's the reason? It be because other people want to see them too. And the oh, game? I, I don't know. I actually don't know the origin of any of the skills competitions. That's a, that's a really good question. I, I I don't. I'd have to look into that a little bit. I, I don't know where they came from. Like when the first that, contest was. That that's got to be a player association thing of like let's try to show off other players' talents who are not going to be in the dunk contest and they're not going to be in three point shooting contest, but they've got mad skills with the ball and passing. You know, like that—that that had to have come from inside the players. I would think of like, dude, we got to show that off these other skills that people have in basketball. It's not just shooting and dunking. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I—I I think it's a marketing thing. Like, let's let's display other aspects of how basketball is beautiful because it's like moving with a soccer ball, but with your hands, and you can do this stuff with it. Like, you know, it's a marketing thing. It, ha- it had to have come from inside. Taking a call. So, I, I, got another call, Jer. All right, okay. go for it. Thanks, Vince. You're on the air. 
Hey, so there's it's a tie for me. There's two moments that always stand out for me, and the first one is 1993 Game Six NBA Finals. <laughs> Michael Jordan collapses defense and dishes it out to Paxton for the three for the win, taking in Game mm-hmm. Six. And then the second one is uh, when the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, defeated the dreadful Yankees in Game Seven, uh, was just a nail biter of a World Series. Both of those moments were. Uh, like jumping on the tables, excitement. Were you were you a major sh- Chicago fan, or is that just? I had a good friend who was a Chicago fan, and and so I just hitched on that because I didn't really care much for any of the uh, the teams really. So I wasn't that big of a basketball fan, but he was. So wow, yeah, Paul, it's, it's funny. I, I I remember the the Diamondbacks one mostly because of when you go back and look at that play. When I think it was Luis Gonzalez got the hit off Mariano Rivera to win the game, Rivera didn't yep. throw a bad pitch. Like it was right where the cut fastball should have been. It broke the guy's bat. He just put it in a perfect spot to get it through the defense. And I just I remember yeah. that play being like, I don't think Rivera could have done much different with that pitch because it wasn't like he threw a bad pitch in that game. No, it was choked it choked in on him, and he just flared it off really swung fast. It was a pretty amazing moment. I couldn't believe it happened. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> the Yankees go down finally. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, right on, guys. listen. Thank th- you. Thanks for the call. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Give us a ring if you got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Um, Jim, real quick before before we go on, if you had something, um, so I'm not going to say this with like one hundred percent confidence, but it looks like the NBA took the dunk contest from the ABA pre-merger. Oh, wow. wow. So the first ABA dunk, the first dunk contest was in 1976 in the ABA. It was won by Julius Irving. And then the NBA ran their first dunk contest the next year in 1977. Did the doctor come in and win it in the NBA too? I think he did. I yeah. don't remember. I'd have, to, I'd have to go back and look, but I do, I do believe he did. Call you on the air. Double. <laughs> the Bears. <laughs> that all you got to say? Call you still there? I think that was a joke. I think that's hey, that's, what, that, that's quick and to the point. That's to the point. Well, now that we're on that, Jerry, I got to tell you this. Now that we're on that, um, the Bulls. That that guy's one of his favorite sports memories was. Mm-hmm. You know, when Chicago won in 1993, and this guy just called up and said, Doubles, he must be a sports. So I was lucky enough to be talking to the doctor last night, sports phone doctor. I had no idea it was this, or else I didn't hear it the first time she said it. She was at every, she lived in Chicago as a youngster, teenager, 10-year-old, something around that, for all six of Jordan's victories. I mean... You imagine if you were ten and 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 you were you were part of the Chicago scene. That's like one of the biggest events in all of sports. With the six years of Jordan in Chicago, the biggest thing in, yeah. for a city, I think, that's ever happened. So uh, yeah. that, that's why I couldn't. Uh, we talked about you know Kareem and Magic in L.A., but you know L.A.'s got a lot going on. Chicago, you know, they had to, all of a sudden they were on the map with Jordan, and it's funny for. The last two callers, they're still talking about Jordan and the Bulls. Yeah, it's funny. On that note, another sports memory of mine, not my favorite, but up there, probably in my top five, uh, 
peak COVID. So like peak the summer after COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, the weekly recaps, everyone was getting together to talk about when the Netflix series got released, uh, the, or the, the ESPN series got released about the Bulls, The Last Dance. Kind of the the week by week talking about that as it was released in the middle of COVID and there was no sports going on. It was really cool because at that time there was no other sports to talk about because nothing was being played. So all of like the national radio and national television shows. Every Monday, because it was released on Sunday nights, they would just talk about the the Last Dance episodes. It felt like the whole world of sports was watching that together. Well, was, was I not really, pay- really fun. Now, I don't know if I wasn't paying attention when you started that, or you didn't say it, Jer. But who were you talking to every week or every day about this this event? This this no, uh- it, it wasn't necessarily that I was talking to to anyone specifically about it. It was that feeling of. There's no other sports going on because of COVID at that time. This was peak, peak COVID when everything oh, was stopped. Oh, everything, and right. So, and so because of that, when ESPN would release each episode, they released it on a Sunday night. That next Monday morning, oh. all the national sports media, like new, like television, radio and stuff, were talking about the episode from the night before. So it felt like the sports world as a whole was watching it and talking about it together because there was nothing else going on. You never saw Jordan play live. Mike, I have a question for you. Uh, it depends on how how we're defining live. Does it have to be in an NBA game? Oh, that's right. You saw Jordan I saw, camp. I saw a, I saw a wildly out of shape, oh, I believe, right. mid-40s Michael Jordan try to play basketball at his basketball camp. Oh, that's right. Against really good players. Against really good college players. And that was... Uh, that's I mean, right. he still could play, but it was very clear that he was no longer dedicating himself to basketball at that point. My, my question, what I was getting at there before you straightened me out, was did you have a different opinion about the term, the name, Michael Jordan, everything you knew up until that point of that documentary was called The Last Dance, right? Mm-hmm. Did you have a different opinion about him after that? Did that change your opinion no, on who he was? Not really. And the only reason I would say that is, and again, the number to call is 707-895-2448 if you've got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. Got about 20 minutes left on the show here. You can call and bring up anything you'd like as long as it's sports-related, 707-895-2448. And save the answer to my question for uh, after this call. You're on the air. Well, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say I actually saw Michael Jordan play uh, Cleveland. And it was a double overtime game. Wow. He scored 55 points. Oh, jeez. Although I did notice something that I didn't ever catch on television when they showed him, was that he was cherry-picking most of those points. <laughs> he was the, he didn't play t- defense at all. He was an elite defense. That was the year before he'd be... Go ahead. No, uh, uh, I, I just couldn't not get it out. You talk to the players and the, the voting. He was one of the elite defenders in the league. So yeah, after that, after that, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, he got criticized for that, that about that year and took it pretty hard and, pers- and personal. Huh? So the next year, he came out and made like defensive player of the year, like two years in a row. Yeah, he was not a great defender early in his career. Well, I mean, it wasn't that he couldn't be. He just you know, I think a lot of young players scoring hmm. comes way before defense does. Huh. 
Yeah, I was um, on that note. Uh, did we cut you off, caller? You got more. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's funny, on that on that train of thought, Jer, I, I was talking to Tim Anderson. I was, I, I'm considering um, um, personal coaching and helping a high school player who I think is, I'll throw this out on the air, I'm not giving any names, but I think there's a player in, high, in Mendocino High School right now that, as a sophomore, is the most skilled player I've ever seen in Mendocino High School. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that, and and, and I, I might try to help that person play if they want to get ready for college. That's one of my goals this year. But um, I was talking to Tim Anderson, who had just played against um, this player, and he was saying, you know, some players, you, you know, you, you coach them on offense, but they don't really. Most good offensive players, this one I'm getting back to with Jordan, can be taught to play good defensive players. Yes. But the other way around is harder. A really solid defensive player is harder to turn into a good offensive player. That's something we were taught. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, uh, it makes sense, though, because defense is all, I mean, not to oversimplify it, but defense is effort. And, and athleticism. Someone, I don't think it's, well, I would say athleticism is required at a certain level. But, yeah. I mean, I was not the most athletic person, but I considered myself pretty really a pretty good, good defender. defender. That's true. That's um, true. Fair enough. Yeah. But but I think that the reason it's 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 harder to teach it the other way is because to be a good offensive player, if we're calling a good offensive player a scorer, like if that's the the, the like the equivalent we're making, um, you need a certain level of ball skill. Where like you can be a really good offensive player and not score, but if you want to, I think the, the more accurate thing is to say is it's really hard to make a great defender a good scorer if they don't have great basketball skills. Yeah, a bit of, of ball skills. We, we, we yeah, call ball them. skills. Yeah, that's the 707-895-2448. What's your favorite sports memory? Boy, now it's turning into what's your favorite sports memory about Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> hey, anything, Jerry, anything you want to talk about. No calls right now. Um, how about, and you know, I know you don't always like to talk about the top things. You know, we like to do other issues besides um, who's winning the World Series, whatever. You know, just um, how about for people that have heard about the Novak Djokovic story? It's going on for two weeks now, and it ended in the last couple couple of uh, hours, I think. Um, you want to talk through the timeline of that Um for about three, four minutes, and and see what people think about that. See if anyone has any opinion that's listening. Uh, yeah, no, no, sure. I'm happy to, to go through it. So we, we talked about this a little bit in a very condensed version uh, last week. Um, but the the story, it's it's even hard to say like the short version of the story because since this like kind of happened last week in like the I believe this started on January fifth. There's been so many kind of twists and turns to it, but the condensed version of this story, Novak Djokovic, number one men's tennis player in the world, arrives in Australia to play in the Australian Open, which is one of the four big tennis tournaments uh, every year. One day after he arrives, he's detained and has his visa canceled uh, for failing to meet entry requirements, uh, COVID entry requirements to get into the state or the country of Australia. His legal team then attempted to overturn the cancellation, which I believe he was successful in. Yep, that was and, the next and step. And he won. 
he actually made it to Melbourne to play in the tournament, was part of the draw, so like the draw meaning they made the bracket and he was included in it. Um, and then two days ago, the uh, immigration minister of Australia used his power to revoke Djokovic's visa and deport him from Australia for on grounds of public interest. So the other backstory of this is Novak Djokovic is not vaccinated and he's very been very public about that. And to enter Australia, you need to be vaccinated. Or And even if you are vaccinated, you still have to go into a, a lengthy quarantine. I'm, I want to jump in just to take that part yeah. cr- crystal clear. Regardless of your opinion on this, he knew way beforehand that no one gets into Australia. It has nothing to do with tennis. No one gets through that airport without being vaccinated. That was a rule. And even if you are vaccinated, you have to quarantine for, I believe, it's 10 days. So all the tennis players that are vaccinated come there early and they had to quarantine for 10 days? I, I believe, unless something has changed, the last I knew about Australia was wow, citizen or not. If you enter Australia, you had to quarantine, even if you were vaccinated. I believe it was for 10 days. <laughs> okay, so he knew all that. That's my whole point. And he tried through fame and fortune. I'm going to use that, and I'm going to be very cynical here. He wanted to use fame and fortune to override public health rules. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yes. And and um, I, don't, I don't agree with it. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the... Uh, immigration director uh, revokes his visa. Djokovic appealed that. Uh, the appeal was denied. He has now been since deported from Australia <laughs> with his uh, with his visa revoked. And the other interesting part about that story, and I don't know how much of this is going to matter, but there's a I, there's some sort of like three year waiting period if you have your visa revoked, uh, where you have to wait three years to reapply for it. So. There is a scenario where COVID settles down and the best tennis player in the world still can't go back to Australia and play in this tournament. But, Jim, as you were telling me, there's there's the exceptions to that where they could reinstate it if they wanted to um, type things. But the thing that, that I found really interesting about this story, I, I have two angles for this. One is sports-related. The other, not so much. But I'm going to bring up both of them anyway. Should we? Uh, uh, can, can we take the call first, see who we've riled up here? Sure, sure, yeah. If we want to take the call first, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, you guys riled me up. I had to call. Uh-oh. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> Isn't this just as ridiculous and crazy as Kyrie Irving getting to play in certain states and not in other states? No, it's not. Um, Ky- we don't, we don't <laughs> you, think so well, I, as far as... You asked, so now you got to let me answer. Well, well hang, hang on. I have a question for okay. Vince first, because I think it's important to clarify this before Jim gives that answer. What do you mean by absurd, Vince? Like, like what do you? Because I think that that word could be taken a few different ways. Absurd in true. what way? Okay, good, good, good call. Good question. Uh, the the absurdity of you know, Djokovic to think that he can use his prowess to be able to circumvent rules, and yes. the absurdity of our country allowing certain you know state by state to say, "Oh, sure, come on in, unvaccinated guy, and participate," even though things are rampant and crazy. But you can't even play in your own home arena? Like, the, the absurdity of the whole situation. Okay, like, I'll, I'll give you that. Yes, I, on that note, yes, I agree in that regard. Yes. I agree with that and, and also, but, but um, and I did jump in. I'm glad you, uh, Jer, I'm really glad that you 
clarify that because I, I don't agree. This that is not, this... that was what Vince was going for. Oh, okay, okay. But what I was yeah. going for Thanks. is I'm not comparing these two people because Kyrie no. said, "I know the rules. I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm if I can't play in Madison Square Garden." Or the Brooklyn Nets, uh, whatever they're called, Barkley Arena. I don't know. Um, that's fine. Now then, I won't do it. Djokovic tried to override public health rules and and sue the country or or whatever. And I don't think those are the same things. I have much more respect for Kyrie. The absurdness of the whole thing of Kyrie being able to play in one venue and not the other is crazy. And now Vince. You did it again, but keep keep going, um, keep going for a second. I think the phones are going to start ringing. Well, I, I, I and I appreciate the, Jerry you letting me clarify because Jim, I agree with you that these are two different people, two different ways of looking at it, two different things completely, except for the fact that we are again allowing athletics to overtake uh, uh, health and wellness of the actual population, and and Canada is another example where they've allowed. Uh, athletics to cross the borders when they weren't allowing other, you know, citizens to cross the border. So money and athletics tend to trump, and Djokovic tried to really use that, and it was that was appalling. So I'll let you. Hopefully, you have another call. I don't know. We um, do, but I'll, we, I'll, we do get yeah, someone yeah, on hold. Yeah. Vince, th- th- thanks for pointing out the absurdity. I like that. You got it, man. No worries. You guys take care. You're on the air. Turn down your turn down your radio. Uh, my radio is down. Go ahead. Is it echoing? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Jim, it's Mark Schaefer and Jerry. How's it going? Hi, Mark. Hey, doing well, Mark. How are you? I'm uh, doing well. I'm calling in. I'm not listening to the show because I'm out of town, but I remember that it's on the air and have sort of a random sports thing for you. I love it. And, you Go know, you just, just, just by the way, before you answer, Mark, I know he's one of your best buds. We just kicked Vince off to take your call. <laughs> oh well, perfect. You should always you should always do that. But I mean, either that or you should just make him a co-host. But anyhow, um, I just did. Uh, I'm driving across the country, and I just did uh, snowboarding in three separate states in three days on three different mountains. Wow! So I'm calling wow. it the Triple Lindy. The Triple Lindy is what I'm calling it. What's Lindy? <laughs> spell wow. spell Lindy. Um, I think it's from a movie with uh, Rodney Dangerfield, the Triple Lindy with a dive. But huh. that's I'm, super I'm cool. adapting. I'm adopting it to my sn- snowboarding. Wow! So, Mark, my, my, my first question, because I, I think there's a lot of different versions of snowboarding and, and skiing, for that matter. Was this at a resort, organized hills, or are you backwoods snowboarding on these different in these different states? No, no. It started with me getting to Colorado, and I rode a basin um, just because I wanted to get out there for the first time in four years or something. And then the next day, I happened to be going to try and see Doobie Dubiago or Doobie, you know Doobie. Oh yeah, and uh, oh, yeah. he was oh, yeah. he was in Salt Lake City area, and he was busy, so I I went ahead and did some night skiing yesterday um, out at uh, Brighton. And then mm-hmm. today I drove to California and got here just in time um, to be able to do some night skiing at Boreal. So nailed it. Three for three for three. <laughs> huh. Nice. 
So, anyways, I just am so excited about pulling this off. And you guys are sports guys, so technically this is a sports move. Oh, yeah. I I still remember my first, and for that matter, only snowing or skiing experience. Um, and, And it was one of the most unique things because I just didn't have anything to compare it to. I, I thought it was going to be I, I thought that wakeboarding was going to prepare me for downhill skiing, like wakeboarding and water skiing, but it didn't at all. It There is was not as much of a direct line between those two sports as I thought there was, mostly because there isn't a lot in common with getting towed behind a boat and going down yeah. a a mountain like there, there's the, the element of control is just so different but oh that that one experience i had in utah skiing was a blast but it it was just the, one I've of the got, most unique things i've ever done i've got two different texts uh one's from dr patty one's from vince and he wanted to, they both are sort of pointing out the same thing and i don't even know what any of this means but i still want to read it triple lindy is from the movie <laughs> back to school what's what's that even mean yeah, it's a movie about uh, diving. It's a comedy, like an 80s comedy. Oh, oh. And he pulls off a particular dive that was called the Triple Lindy. I got and so it, I got I'm it. Just, I'm just stealing the term, <laughs> not the move. I remember, Jerry. That's super cool. Right, Jerry, I remember your first skiing. Your skiing, I was there. First and only. First and only, wow. Yeah, a lot of basketball players never skied. I mean, we weren't allowed to ski on the East Coast. I, right. I skied as a little kid, right. but once basketball started... You couldn't compete. You couldn't go skiing. You didn't have time. I mean, you just couldn't. Too do much it. risk yeah. for injury. And they, they, um, yeah. you, know, you know, Jerry. When I moved to Mendocino, uh, like ten years ago or whatever, uh, I went to the surf shop to ask if I could learn how to surf from somebody, and they just told me, "Don't learn how to surf." And I was like, "Why? Like, don't you want me to buy products from you?" And they were like, "Look, surfing is not like snowboarding, and you're old." <laughs> yeah, so I, and, I, just, and I, get I was basically it. just yeah. Mark, oh, thanks. Funny, I, I, I like the I like the random call and, and not listening, just knowing the sports phone was on the air, and you just 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 dialed. Oh, yeah. You just dialed in. How, totally. how many more? How many more snowboarding days you got in front of you? Uh, four, but all in California now. I'm hmm. I'm back to California and. I'm looking forward to being home for a little while. We're running out of time, and the phones yeah. are ringing. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Hello, caller. You're on the air. That that, that is probably one of my fa- top five favorite sports phone moments ever. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Wasn't that great? Uh, the, oh, the chances no, the chances no. of that. Huh. Well, I, I, I love the fact that Dr. Patty and I both chimed in to get you guys on the path of back to school and what you know what the reference was from for the triple ending. That that is the you know to me that's like a connection for me you know Dr. Patty and I. And if you're listening, Dr. Patty, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks, Vince. Um, you got you, yeah. I just wanted to chime in and say thanks, Mark. That made my night. You guys made my night. Love Sunday seven o'clock. Thanks. Talk thanks, to you soon. Thanks, thanks Vince. Vince. Thanks, Vince. Jerry, I hate to throw it right back at you. Well, I want to hear more about your 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 Djokovic analysis. There's no more calls right now. Oh yeah, yeah. So we got about four minutes left on the show here. If we, if we call, in, if we get another call, we might be able to squeeze you in for for a couple minutes or a couple seconds. Um, 
I think Vince kind of put put the words in my mouth a little bit with one of the points I was going to make, which was just that the absurdity of our rules for COVID versus the and how inconsistent they are yeah. versus the consistency of other countries, right? And I'm not saying it's. I'm not mm. saying that the United States is the only one that has inconsistent COVID rules. Like as Vince pointed out, Canada's got some stuff as well. But even Canada is more strict than us. Well, heck, just, just between just between your high school and the one you went to, it's exactly, a huge difference, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like my high school versus yeah, the one I went to, and then even you go beyond that, the the teams in our league all have oh, different wow. COVID protocols really? for basketball. Yeah, it's it's different per league because everyone's in its own district and each district can make its own rules. Oh, so, I see. And I'm not saying that the, that the rules are good or bad. I'm just pointing out the one of the things that's really unique about COVID for the United States is the inconsistency <laughs> of rules with how things are broken down. When you compare that to something that was as cut and dry for the Australian government as it was for these guys. It's like, I don't care that's Novak Djokovic. He's not getting in. And that was really the end of it for them. Like, they, they could care less that he was an athlete. So I just think that was something really interesting that I wanted to just kind of draw that comparison to. It's just it's the consistency versus the inconsistency in certain countries is, is really fascinating to me. I think that was the absurdity that Vince was getting at. Right, it in, was. Yeah, in, was. In a exactly way, in, in, in a roundabout Roundabout way. What, what else? Uh, another list. Thanks for. Uh, um, boy, we I think got, we're wrapping up here. Yeah, we got through our list here. <laughs> There's not much left on the list, Jim. We're out of we're out of we're out of time more than anything else. Um, the calls were great tonight, week, Jim. Be, yeah, it was a good show. Good show. Next week, January 23rd, uh, we will be back seven o'clock for the sports phone, same time. Uh, like to thank Cindy, the uh, soon-to-be Anderson Valley cross-country coach, for joining us earlier in the show to talk a little bit of cross-country running. And as always, thanks to everyone that called and brought up topics uh, for the show. It is always a pleasure. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week, Sunday night, 7 o'clock, for the Sports Phone. And I will um, double that. Good luck, Cindy Novella. Um, starting your, your own sport in a small high school. Good night, everyone. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.